let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. a solo episode where I basically go into the state of flow and share with you how to get in this state, what components make up the state, some of the science behind it, some of the results behind it, and some of the triggers that can help us get into the state of flow. I also talk a bit about at an individual level as well as a group level how you can achieve this. And it's a really awesome state to be in. You've probably actually been in it before, but it is one that has become for me, one of not only the most productive states to be in, but also one of my most creative states to be in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I also ask for your comments. You can post those on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt on Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt or on Twitter at McCourt Angie. So without further ado, let's hit this topic. What really leads to happiness is action in the pursuit in a worthwhile dream or goal. Choosing a challenge or pursuit that is not too challenging yet not too easy can create this sense of deep feeling of fulfillment. Today I want to talk about getting into the flow state. This is basically one of the most sought after states that really is kind of unknown to the majority of people. So I want to bring this to you today. I'm actually a certified flow state practitioner And this is one area that I found so many people not only want to get to, but to get out of stuck state. So today what I want to do is just kind of give you an overview as well as share with you just some of the science behind it, as well as some of the stages and phases and some tips on how to get into flow. This is something that I found over the years to be one of my best performing states to be in. And there are some tips and tricks, although at the time I didn't realize that that was how I was actually getting into flow, (laughs) that there is a way that you can control yourself getting into flow. A lot of this has to do with working with both your conscious and your unconscious mind. But I'm going to give you some tips and tricks today on how to really find that flow state. And what's interesting is when you find the flow state, yes, there is a huge productivity gain. But what else happens is, number one, your endorphins, your other happy hormones end up flooding your body. So it feels good to be in this state. Also, you unlock creativity 
um, because you're able to get into this flow state. When that happens, it opens up parts of your brain to actually function at a higher level than we're normally doing. There is so much behind this that is really incredible. So I'm hoping you get a lot out of this episode. I'm very excited to share this with you today. So you might be saying, okay, Angie, what is flow? What is the flow state? And the state of flow is really the optimal state of consciousness where human beings perform and feel at their very best. It's a form of energy in a way. And so let's let's start here. I invite you to recall a time when you were so immersed in something that you completely lost track of time. You looked up and it was two hours later and you're like, what the heck just happened? Have you noticed when you have been in a state where any of life's distractions going on around you did not bother you? Or maybe you skipped a meal and you didn't even feel hungry or notice that you skipped the meal. A lot of this is lunchtime typically. Have you been so connected with someone where you were in deep listening and collaboration mode with hours going by without even noticing. I had dinner with a friend about two months ago and we sat down together. It was probably about 6.45. We literally were catching up, catching up, catching up. We looked at our watch and it was 9.45. We had no idea, had totally lost track of time. And this was a state of flow. Have you ever observed your child sit for hours playing video games? Yep, they were in a state of flow. They will sit there and not even go to the bathroom. They will sit there and possibly not even drink or eat anything. Just be completely in that game and completely in that flow. So you might ask, like, why is this? Like, what what is behind this? And when it really comes down to breaking down the mind and the brain, there is an opportunity for us to discipline our unconscious mind by focusing on and even generating thoughts of our own choosing and attach meaning to them at the unconscious level that influences our behavior. What I mean by this is we are so programmed and our internal representations of events of our you know that basically trigger our thoughts and our emotions and perceptions these are programmed in us so if we're always kind of tapping in and our thoughts are always being created from these internal representations and we don't change them then we are constantly going to be in the same state when we do change them and we say oh Maybe it's this instead, or kind of approach it in a little bit more of a curious way. We can actually shift and change and create those internal representations of events that empower and engage us to create our own reality. Okay, (laughs) this is like pretty deep stuff. But what this does is it can cause us to allow our thinking to just sort of happen to us. However, We do have that power to control our thinking, our life, our behavior, and results. And this is what we're getting into with flow. We end up opening up a new dimension of our thinking and a higher version of ourselves. And so it's really interesting as we look at kind of the science and some of the elements behind flow, 
Um, you basically can do this whenever you want, and it has been scientifically proven to enter the flow state at will whenever you want. And really, honestly, the simplest thing is having the attitude is the first step and then approaching it with it's all about the journey kind of an attitude. So there are some essential elements of the flow state. And I want to just kind of walk through some of these because you'll start to feel the sense of connection and see this pattern of how flow state happens. And you might even be able to kind of dissect, you know, how you've been in flow state before and why some of these areas of elements would be really, you know, contributing to that being in flow state. So if you train yourself to experience the flow state at will and operating at flow, including mundane tasks or those that you have not fully enjoyed in the past, it can absolutely change how you approach life. So the first element is really all about setting a goal that does not risk becoming overwhelmed, anxious, or on the opposite end, bored. So you want to be able to kind of stretch yourself, stretch your skills just a little, but not make it too hard because a lot of times if we have a goal we set for ourselves and it's too challenging, what do we do? We give up. We give up too early is, is the big part of it. We give up too early before we get to a point of breakthrough. Then I would say the second part is really taking taking those goals and breaking them down so that you can create smaller achievable goals and then internalizing them. So you don't want to just be surface level with, with anything that you're working on. When we say the word intention, intention means like, fully bought in, fully engaged with it, fully connected to whatever your dream or your goal or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And then internalizing them means that you're connecting at an emotional level. You're not just thinking about it. It's not just on a piece of paper. It's something that you're saying, well, this is what this means to me. This is how this can change my life, or this is how I can help change others' lives. And then the next thing is really focusing attention on that goal. Now, here's the trick. You cannot multitask <laughs> this part. You really have to be focused on kind of one goal at a time in this deep way. So you almost have to like allow time blocks to really allow flow to be significant. You also have to be kind of single task oriented. And then you have to take concentrated action to achieving that goal. So blocking out distractions, even putting yourself a bit in isolation so that you can at an individual perspective being in flow, because groups can actually get in flow too. And I'll talk about that later. Um, this is one of the best ways that you can do this. Now, what's interesting is time will just disappear when you're in the flow state. Either it will go by so fast that it feels like it was seconds and it was actually hours, but it could happen the opposite way too. It could actually slow down so that it just feels like you can see everything from an external or, or a disassociated view. And then you're just kind of feeling like you're in control of time. So it's really interesting how time works in this state. Then getting better and better at things in your life 
um, is really important to acknowledge when you achieve that goal and you're wanting to now go for the next level or up level again or stay in that state of flow, guess what you have to do? You got to challenge yourself with the next level. You have to actually say, okay, if let's say you're wanting to learn a new musical instrument um, and you do really well, you learn some of the initial songs that you wanted to learn, you had set yourself a timeline, so you're setting this SMART goal and you're definitely being able to kind of achieve it in smaller chunks because you're saying, I want to learn this song first, I want to learn these, um, these scales. And now you're getting to a point where you're like mastering that in a way. Um, you can now say, okay, I'm going to go for a harder piece. Or let's say you have a Peloton and you have only ever done beginner and advanced beginner sessions. And you're like, okay, I got this. You know, my output is really high and I'm doing great. Now go on a ride that is out of the saddle. Go for, if you Peloton riders know what I'm talking about. <laughs> go for something that pushes you just a little bit harder out of your comfort zone, out of your typical skill and capacity that you're used to um, being at. Okay. Now, the last part of the elements that I think is important to share is just being fully involved in the process. Like, don't don't look at the process as you're kind of overseeing it from afar. Like actually put yourself in it and be fully involved in the process. Okay, let's talk about chaos and flow. So think about a time when you didn't have anywhere to be. Your to-do list was done. There was nobody tapping you for anything. You like literally had this moment of, oh, okay, I am in a good place. I feel like I have control over this second and this moment. And guess what happened? Once the initial feeling of the freedom passes, entropy brings into chaos. And so it brings in thoughts from the past. Either you start ruminating over them, what woulda, shoulda, coulda, or it takes you into the future and your thoughts are worrying about what could happen. And our default setting is peace, calm, and happiness. But the systems and programming we've expressed and exposed, been exposed to and experienced basically since we were um, children creates the habitual mind. Chaos and disorder tend to be the operation. So basically, as soon as we feel like we're happy, we tend to challenge it and quickly shift into chaos. And chaos can exist in perceived order, and yet order can exist in chaos. So it's really interesting as we typically are externally focused to find solutions to get to happiness, instead creating rewards within ourselves and learning to enjoy the process and the journey of whatever it is we are doing can help us create order and get into a state of flow. So I think this is important as we just talked about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and how we can change our internal representations of events so that we're empowered and engaged in being able to create our own thoughts. This is where we're talking about overriding the chaos. So this is a big part to um, kind of just understanding when, when you start to see patterns and you start to see triggers in yourself and you're like, okay, hold on. I know what this is. That just gives you a little bit of insight into that.
Okay, so I want to talk about the science of flow for a second. So I'd already mentioned that, um, you know, it has been proven that we can at will actually enter into a state of flow. And there is a lot of research that has been done on this. And I think it's really interesting because it's kind of called different things depending on where you are. So have you ever heard of the state of a runner's high? Have you ever heard of an athlete talking about getting in the zone? <laughs> the zone and flow, state of flow is the same thing, basically. Um, or even like musicians getting their groove on, connecting in, in that focus where time is lost and where they're so singularly focused, pushing themselves, not in a mindless way, but in a, I'm pushing myself, I'm challenging myself just enough that I can really stretch. It's more common than you might think that this happens. Um, you can go in and out of multiple instances of the state of flow, like on a daily basis. And flow is actually in our brains. It is marked by a cascade of positive chemicals that the brain releases in a way in which we perceive the task internally. So for instance, mopping the floor sounds boring and mundane, but adding some fun to it can change the internal representation of mopping the floor. How about the process by changing up how you do it? so that the floor dries faster, or inventing a machine in your mind that does the job while pretending to be that machine. These are kind of just silly examples, but seriously, this is a, a great way to kind of engage in a different way into daily tasks that never go away. <laughs> Make it fun and challenging in a good way. And as chemicals disperse around the body, it changes our physiology. There is still work to be done in the research, but this is a really, really, really fantastic approach um, as a science-based um, approach to flow. One of the inspirations for this episode is helping others to find their flow. It's not easy with so many distractions and overwhelm throughout the day, and our energy can be sporadic. And if we depend on caffeine for our energy, that can take us up as fast as it can down. It's been important to me to find something that not only helps me find creativity when I need to, but to help me get into flow. Focus and clarity are key here. So I started drinking these green shots from Magic Mind and I love them. They help me so much every morning and I can get into flow. I usually drink them alongside my morning coffee, so I still have the coffee there. But it's interesting because ancient teachings tell us that stress is the body's inability to predict what's coming next, taking the mind out of homeostasis, which is the self-preservation state. A disciplined mind combined with the tools that help it to be disciplined, so nootropics and adaptogens, leads to getting more stuff done in less time and eventually to a disciplined and stress-free life. And seeing how well it worked for me, I really encourage you to try it out as well if you're having trouble tapping into your creativity or focus and finding clarity in your day. It's a total game changer.
I have a 20% off code to share with you guys. It's SHIFTING20. To use it, you can go to magicmind.co forward slash shifting and enter the code SHIFTING20 at checkout. The best part is that they have a money back guarantee. If you get a subscription, you can get 40% off using SHIFTING20 for the next 10 days. So what are the stages of flow and how do we create a state of flow consistently and at will? This is going to be really interesting. So there's a lot of work done and really mapped out pretty well to understand how to actually do this. So there are four stages that have been mapped out. The first stage is the struggle. It's where you're learning about the thing that you want to be good at. Your conscious brain is fully engaged at this stage. And it's kind of like your conscious incompetence stage. It's also the planning portion, kind of where your animalistic impulses are and where your identity resides. For instance, if you were writing a book, it's the interview stage. It's really the collection of information. It's trying to figure out your approach and trying to plan for writing that book. If you're learning to play guitar, it's observing what it is you need to learn and how you will actually go about learning that. This is trying to figure out what it is we need to learn to accomplish our goal or solve the problem. The second stage is relaxation. This is where consciously stop whatever you're doing completely to give your brain a rest. I know, I probably have to repeat that because there's a lot of guilt that we feel when, when we have to disengage consciously and actually give our brain a rest. So this includes like slowing down breathing, take a nap, you can do some light exercise even, light swimming or yoga, you can walk or garden to help clear the mind and just allow it to reboot. And this does not this does not mean that we sit down in front of TV or Netflix or another activity that keeps the brain going in inactivity. We want the brain to rest. And even though you might be thinking you're vegging out when you're watching Netflix or you're watching something on TV, you're actually your brain is processing information. So what happens when we do stop this activity is we start to use our intuition and new ideas start forming. So then the third stage is the flow state. And this is where the body is flooded with feel-good chemicals. It releases dopamine, which helps us to enhance our focus, um, take in more information per second than we normally can. And our unconscious releases an andamide, speeds up lateral thinking, which helps us to link up ideas and it triggers new ideas and inspiration. And then endorphins and serotonin, which calms us to feel good about the process. So our conscious and unconscious minds are working together in harmony in flow state. Problems are easily solved, even if you might've been struggling with them before all of the sudden, that new solution comes to play and you're like, where did that come from? Yep, you know what I'm talking about. 
And also, if you think about like getting from point A to point B becomes simple and automatic without concentration. This could include maybe a hobby that you do. It could include painting. It could include hiking. It could include um, maybe even mountain climbing. There are so many things that we just kind of go into this state of from point A to point B without really thinking or putting a lot of effort into it. The really important part of this is because our prefrontal cortex shuts down. This is also, we talked about time, where time expands or contracts for us is during this phase. And also a really important part that helps us to be able to kind of be more open to creativity and risk is that the self-critic area of the brain shuts down. And so full engagement with our unconscious mind becomes, begins to happen. And we'll have, we'll have enhanced performance while using little energy. And so if you're familiar with our brain waves and how that works, what happens in this flow state is we actually go into the alpha state. And I can tell you the alpha state is where I like to do hypnosis with folks. So I try to get them into this very relaxed state so that I can get them into the suggestive state. So in the flow state, you're actually going into that alpha. Sometimes you could even get into theta. And this is really interesting because this is tapping into part of the brain that we don't typically use on a regular basis. All right, and then the stage four is recovery. This is where both your conscious and unconscious minds kind of consolidate what has been learned. What's interesting is all those feel-good chemicals start to shift and change. And so what happens is you're dealing with body fatigue. You're feeling drained. You might even feel down, like even almost a little depressed. And so this is kind of the, you know, like if you were coming off of a caffeine crash, it's very similar with all of these chemicals in our body when they're really high and peaked and then they start to go away. Now you're coming into a different feel. Now, the part that's important in this phase that I feel is really important because this helps us from a sustainability perspective as well as to kind of find ourselves staying in the flow state longer is understand that this is normal, that these chemical changes, they will make you feel drained. So if you've been working really, really hard on something all day, go to bed early, take a bath, like actually let your body and mind recover because this is really a, an important part of the process. And here's why. When you get into this part of the process and this stage, you actually get into accelerated learning. So you want to be able to work through these shifts and changes physiologically in your body so that you can act, absolutely take advantage of the accelerated learning part. Now, you may be asking, okay, how do I get into flow state? So there are, we talked about the kind of the elements of flow state, obviously, you know, setting very specific goals, breaking them down so that they're very achievable, setting kind of those milestones, um, being very focused on those intentions, and then taking the action, the concentrated action. But there are a few other really quick ways that you can kind of train yourself a little bit just to be able to get into the flow state. So the first um, way is really to kind of create games or like mini tasks. So these are things that you don't necessarily like to do, take a task that you don't necessarily like to do, 
And then ask yourself how you can make it more efficient, more fun, how you can do it faster, um, how you can do away with ever having to do it ever again. I mentioned the mopping, inventing a machine to do the task for me. It's really interesting because I think everybody has kind of their own little way of working and finding how they can, can get into kind of a more concentrated state. A lot of people use music for that. I love music as long as it's something that really flows with, I guess, what I'm trying to focus on, what I'm trying to tap into, what I'm trying to get to. And um, music does help me get into flow. And lately, I've actually been listening to Paramore, which I hadn't listened to for a long time, but it has been my flow music lately. I try to choose something that pairs nicely with the task and getting into flow. So create games, create little mini tasks, use your, your, you know, kind of creative ways to be able to get your mind into flow, setting up your, your external environment as well as your internal environment. And the next phase is really focused on your internal environment. So how um, can you disengage and clear your mind? And the first thing you do is instruct your conscious mind to consider everything you are about to say. Literally, you're saying this to yourself and then either out loud or in your mind while you can, you know, either look at a mirror and focus on your pupils so that you're seeing yourself. You can say everything and nothing everywhere and nowhere. Pause and then say it again. Everything and nothing everywhere and nowhere and pause. And so what this is doing is this is a way that you can kind of Clear your mind. You're not trying to solve any problems. You're telling your unconscious mind that it's open for everything. You're not trying to hone in on one specific thing. Um, And so this is a really great way to kind of just work with your unconscious mind and train it. The next thing is just do things that you love because you love it (laughs) and you want to do it and no other reason. Like there is no outcome that you're setting for it. Just do the things that you love to do for no, no specific reason. And then the last, the last thing I would say, that's really a really great way to help you get into flow more frequently is just practice gratitude every day for the times that you experience flow, share your gratitude for that. And then all of the other good things that you enjoy, share your gratitude for that as well. So I wanted to just kind of run through some triggers because there's a lot of work that Stephen Kotler has done that took, you know, kind of those interviews with athletes who were in the zone along with brain imaging techniques. And he basically scientifically confirmed those subjective descriptions of that particular state that the athletes had shared. So they were saying, okay, when I'm doing this and performing this, this is the state I'm in. He was actually able to take those subjective descriptions and then match them up with brain imaging techniques. As he did, he came up with the start of 17 triggers. Really what's great about knowing about these triggers is that the more intense the triggers, the more momentum to either get into flow or stay in flow, which is really, really helpful for you to become aware of those. So the 17 break down into four categories. And so first I'm going to go through two categories that are really focused on more at an individual state and an individual flow. 
And then the other two I'm gonna go into have really more of a group flow impact and opportunity. And I'll talk a little bit about group flow because there's still a need for the individual flow to happen and to show up in individual flow form so that the group can then come together. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but I think it's just really interesting. I have absolutely seen groups in flow and I think it's incredible how much you can get done how much everybody really feels a part of it. And I just find that awesome, just so so amazing and something that you can take into your job or into community projects or even just with working with your family on something in such a great way. And there's so many actual benefits that come out of that. So let's start with the individual flow state. So I want to go into flow. I'm looking at, okay, well, what are some of these triggers? Well, there's four physiological triggers. The first one is all about deep concentration for long periods of time. So this is the no multitasking. It is also solitude. I mean, you really almost have to have solitude and no distractions is a very typical environment to be in, um, in this, when this trigger happens. And then to be in the present moment. Okay, so this is where if anything, from a mindfulness perspective, try to get to present moment, this can help you get into deep con concentration. And then the second of the physiological triggers is having clear goals. So we already talked a bit about having clear goals, but SMART goals are really great. And here's why. I know people are like, oh, it's just an acronym. No. SMART goals were designed to engage with the unconscious mind. So the unconscious mind really only helps support us when goals are extremely specific and when they're very clear. It is important to, you know, really look at how can you just use this as, as your follow, you know, to be able to set, um, you know, your goals in this way. The third is immediate feedback. And really the immediate feedback lets you know if you're on the right track of your goal. So it allows you to be in the present moment, keeping in flow. Now, immediate feedback could be um, something that you see or hear. So if you're learning how to play the guitar, we'll use that one, that example again. Obviously, if you hit a wrong chord, you hear it, and it can give you immediate feedback that, whoops, you got to you know do a little bit more practice there or something there, but you're still in that state of flow. You haven't broken it because it's right there. You've got it immediately. You're able to start again and you're continuing that cycle and that process. The fourth physiological trigger is to set a challenge that is slightly more difficult than your current skill level. You don't want it to be too high um, because anxiety can slip you out of flow. And you don't want it to be too low because it can create boredom and slip you out of flow. So it's all about finding a balance between the challenge and the skill. Then there are three environmental triggers. There is the high consequences. So this is when the stakes are high and we don't need to force ourselves to concentrate. We're kind of doing this naturally. And then the second one is introducing a rich environment. So this would be really getting out of your comfort zone and to kind of unpredictability and complexity and where anything can happen and where there's a lot of information coming in this can trigger us to go into the state of flow. And then the third one is deep embodiment. Now, this is where you have to be intensely focused and it's with a full immersion strategy. So this could be, think about a downhill skier. 
and any little mistake that slips between body and mind, they're falling, <laughs> they're crashing. So this deep embodiment can come in bursts, right? So this is just one example, but this is what it means by deep embodiment, where your mind and body are working together and they're having to stay completely aligned or something bad could happen. Then um, there are nine social triggers, and this is where we start to get into how a group can go into flow state. And I think it's really interesting because um, the groups, you know, again, there's still this, you know, kind of caveat that each person in the group has to still be in flow state individually. So they have to have good communication um, and disciplined about what is and isn't allowed in the group. There is no naysaying allowed. And then the group should be made up of very similar skills and roles. There should be an equal responsibility. Everyone has to show up and then they all have to be aligned on intentions as well as this inclusion of everyone on the team. So each person is equally important. Each person gets heard. Each person gets to say something and speak up and contribute. And then there's this element of risk. So always going to be a potential failure it's not a bad thing. <laughs> so flow doesn't happen with some sense of risk. So there's this, um, if you're considering, you know, kind of pushing the envelope at work, you're challenging status quo, you're in this group, you're working on something, you know, really, instead of it just being like a next little step up, like put a little risk behind it, say, well, what if, and I wonder, and really start to use curiosity around it. The next is active listening. So being fully engaged in the conversation with each group member and focused in the moment is going to allow for this flow to be able to happen in the group. And then the last part of the social triggers is the <clears throat> to avoid negativity and arguments. So this totally blocks momentum and it breaks the flow state. So the goal would be like to build momentum by amplifying each other's ideas. Just saying, wow, that was a fantastic idea, so-and-so. I can see how that would be really good. And then going to the next person, wow, that is a really great idea. I love that it can complement with this other idea. And just really amplifying, and this can help trigger that flow state to happen. And then there's one creative trigger. And this is all about creativity, and this is for the individual and the group. And creativity triggers flow, and then flow enhances creativity. This is where you can link ideas together to form new ideas. This is where new ideas can come from almost nothing, <laughs> you know, where you're able to get into this creativity and, and flow to be able to find. And this is what I've been talking about, like where I've been really focused and really trying to go because I, I want to be able to do this at will because I only have certain time blocks during the day where I can create. And if it's not when my mind is like normally in its own sense of creativity, or if I can't, you know, just tap into it when I need to, it'll take me forever to get anything done. And so even more than just the productivity gains, from being in flow, I'm really looking for being able to call up creativity at will. And so this is why I love using flow. <laughs> and, you know, flow is, is something that can initiate many different contexts and many different situations. 
And there's this everyday life flow that you can get into. And we talked a little bit about kind of mundane tasks and chores and stuff like that. But think about different things in your life, especially things that maybe they're a challenge or you don't like doing them. And how can you create that flow to be able to work with them in a different way? And again, back to kind of adjusting and changing and creating our own internal representations about that in a different way. I have folks in my group, my Living Purposeful group, who um, have now decided that folding clothes is an actual meditative state. And it's such a different way to be able to have to deal with daily tasks and weekly tasks that, you know, typically are either very boring or they're overwhelming because you feel like you're always having to do it. And so now it's, okay, how can we shift our perception of what that task means to us and how we can use that task in a better way? And, you know, I think the other important part about getting into flow is really stretching yourself when you have opportunities to get into the state of flow and then maintaining it. And you can do this by just giving yourself a little mini challenge. You know, we talked about uh, talked about a couple of those earlier. So it's interesting when we look at what the results of flow can be besides increasing productivity, um, there are improved health, you have creations and results. You know, this is um, happens a lot in, for artists and for musicians, et cetera. You forget about physical pain temporarily, and that's been scientifically proven. It increases creativity. It improves self-esteem. It is linked to higher levels of happiness. And then being able to tap into the fullest expression of self, happiness is a decision. There's a lot of fulfillment that can happen when you're doing these types of techniques. And because this is more to do with our mindset than external circumstances, and this is where the sustainability of, of happiness and having that self-fulfillment can actually be sustained. I hope you enjoyed that topic. I look forward to hearing some of your comments in our posts. Really just, you know, what examples can you share that you know now you were in that state of flow and how can you get into flow? Because I think the more we can share with each other about how we can get into flow, how we can stay in flow, this is how we help each other out. If you want to continue building this technique and you want to dive deeper, I'm taking applications for Living Purposeful, my six-month group coaching program. So I have another round starting up in July. Move from burnout and stuck to thriving. And in month five is actually called Ebb and Flow, where we tackle some of the blocks to get into flow. You can learn more at www.angiemccourt.com forward slash group hyphen coaching.